Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now we're in Colossians 3, and I've just enjoyed the journey. Thank you all for uh, for being on this journey with us as we've been going through the book of Colossians. We've been getting a lot of uh, just positive feedback, and there's been a help and encouragement to folks, and that's why I'm doing this. I just want to want to be a help. Um, it's, uh, it's not about me or my smarts. I just want to, just want to encourage God's people. And, um, and, and I'm not necessarily just going super deep, but just, uh, kind of just hitting the surface on what God has for us. And, uh, here in Colossians, you know, last couple of days, we've been kind of, uh, going line upon line and, uh, and just kind of seeing what it looks like, what, what, um, what the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God is, is laying out for us, what the new man looks like, the, those who've been risen with Christ. All right. Uh, first couple of chapters, he's tackling some of those that were theologically antagonistic to the, the church and to Christianity. And uh, so we dealt with the Gnostics, we dealt with the Judaizers and, and folks, and he kind of puts to rest the, the, the foundation of some of those arguments. Uh, for example, if you're risen with Christ, well, the Gnostics, you know, there's no... Uh, or, or you know they, they kind of look at, at things over uh, spiritual emphasis and and things that the Judaizers they're they're trying to uh, pull people back to the law and he says the law has been nailed to the cross and and we have all these things so he says Let, let's just get down to the bare bones if you've been ri- if you're risen with Christ if if he's your life there are going to be some certain things that are part of our life and so he says because of this we ought to mortify and, and destroy the works of the flesh that the, the old man what it looked like and uh, and then replace it with this new man putting on Christ as as a uh, as a, uh, a holy garment so to speak this is who I am in Christ and we put on those things and we and we kind of uh, learn put on uh, verse 12 uh, uh, bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind meekness long suffering forbearing and forgiving and uh, and so forth and uh, so when we have this this concept and then he says this and I love verse 15 and let the peace of god rule in your hearts you know i think a lot of believers there there's no peace uh uh, right now, by the way, right now in these uncertain times, you know, the, this, uh, uh, the media, uh, and, and depending on who you're listening to, have, have really hyped up this, uh, this uh, virus. And, and uh, you know, and there's some genuine concern, but, uh, but I think a lot of it's fear-mongering, honestly. And what it's turned into is, uh, rather than just saying, you know, there's a chance you might get this, and here's some precautions to take, and, and you know, it's more like, hey, if you go outside, you're going to die. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 there's no peace. And, and for the lost person, that makes sense. Because if this is all just a cosmic accident, and, you know, uh, what, what, what's it all about? And, and there's unrest. However, for those who are saved, if you're living by faith and your confidence is in God, I'm at peace. In fact, even if the worst case scenario and all the, the worst fear mongering was all true, I'm still at peace. What's the worst that could happen to me? This thing wipes me out and I go to heaven, be with, be with, uh, be with God. You see, uh, there's peace. So, so and, and how does this all happen? The beginning, the starting place is the beginning of the chapter. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. That is key. That is foundational with all this other stuff. 
Otherwise, it's just about uh, behavioral reform. I'm just trying to do better. I'm just trying to be a good person and so forth. And, and, uh, and we've missed it. We've missed the mark. We've missed the motivation behind the whole thing. So he says this, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, it kind of means to allow, get rid of any barricade, any blockers that would keep the peace of God, which passes all understanding, from ruling in your heart. What are some things that would block the peace of God from ruling in my heart? Worry. Worry is the opposite of faith. Really. Doubt, another opposite of faith. They're kind of two different angles from it. But if I'm worrying, I'm not trusting. I'll tell you that much. And uh, really, worry is the opposite of hope that we are to have in God. And so, um, let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also you are called in one body. In one body. You know what that means? We need each other. We need each other. Now, I believe this, and, uh, and, and many can, try, can refute it and or believe differently, and that is completely fine. <laughs> um, I believe whenever we see the concept of the body of Christ, some have taken that to mean universally, uh, Christians everywhere. But uh, when you look at the language, especially in 1 Corinthians, as it talks about the spiritual gifts and the body, and it's using an illustration of a body, it only makes sense if it's locally. Uh, for example, my spiritual gifts really don't benefit the church, quote-unquote, if it was universal, all right? Um, what good is it if, uh, if I uh, exercise the gift of mercy, for example? How is that going to impact the, the Christians in China, you see? Uh, now, now, maybe through our gifts, we may, through our local church, reach out to others. But, uh, but I believe each individual church, uh, each autonomous local church, is the body of Christ represented in that location, in that locale, the local church, all right? And uh, so with that in mind, he says, uh, uh, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. Paul, the apostle, writing to a church at, at Colossae, he's never met these people. He doesn't know them. He's heard of them. He knows their reputation. And he said, guys, you've been called to a body. And I want to say this, and this is, this is so important. This has been something that, that, that's really been uh, a conviction of mine over the years. I believe we are called to a body. Um, and, uh, and, and we ought to be faithful to that body. And we ought to, he, he's, he's, he's brought us together for this purpose. We'll look more at that when we uh, get to Philippians. But uh, when he, when he's brought us together to this point of exhorting one another and encouraging one another and carrying each other's burdens and all this, um, it really doesn't make sense when you when you broaden it. Now, that body can reach out by all means, and it should, as it meets the needs of the needs of the community. Or maybe someone who's not part of a church or even a different church might reach out to me. Hey, can I get some counsel? Can I get some advice? Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, no, only if you're a tithing member. No, no, absolutely. I want to serve everybody, but. But I believe God's called us to be part of a body. That's what the church means. They called out assembly. And, uh, and it's an identifiable assembly. There are certain aspects of that assembly. And I don't want to get too far off track here. But the Bible talks about uh, pastors that, uh, that you ought to uh, submit to and obey. Well, which pastor? You see, if there's no local church and there's no accountability, then, then what pastor? Do I just pick one? No, the one that you, that God has called you to, that you feel convinced that this is the church that God has added me to. Uh, now, let me just say this. Don't look for a perfect church because you will never find it. 
All right, find out which one God wants you to be a part of. Uh, now, there are some biblical guidelines. There are some that I believe biblically we can examine scriptures and uh, exclude certain. Okay, that one's off the list and that one's off the list. But if you're looking for perfection, you're going to miss it. And if you find it, don't join it because you'll mess it up. Uh, we're not perfect, but we're following one who is. And, and he's given us a perfect book and a perfect guideline to rule his church. But we're called to a body. You know, when there's unrest and there's no peace, when we've pulled apart, pulled aside from the body. And, uh, you know, I remember there was a man, he dropped his kids off at church uh, years ago. He dropped his kids off at church. And I asked, I said, uh, teenage boys, and I said, where's your dad? Oh, he dropped us off. And I ran out of the parking lot and he's, he was still there. And I said, what are you doing? Why aren't you coming in? And uh, he said, oh, I'll come back and pick up the boys after the service. He said, I'm just, I'm not in a good place to be in church right now. And I, I said to him, I said, this is the time you need to be in church. You need the peace of God to rule in your heart uh, as you've been brought together with the body. It's, it's needful, okay? Um, you've been called to one body, and be ye thankful, right? Uh, boy, this, this thankfulness pops up so many times throughout the scriptures through Paul's writings uh, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God over and over again. On the flip side, a mark of a society that's in decline is a lack of thankfulness. Uh, a mark of a, a wayward generation, perilous times will come. The whole list of those perilous times, in, it, right there in the middle, unthankful. You see, uh, neither worth thankful. And, uh, and I want to say this, as soon as we lose the heart of gratitude, we've started drifting. Just like that. Just like bitterness will pull us away, ingratitude will pull us away. Entitlement mentality, well, I deserve this. And, and no, no, you deserve hell. That's it. I mean, uh, let's just be blunt. All right. So anything that God brings my way is a blessing. Be ye thankful, thankful to God and thankful to one another. As, as God puts people in our lives and he uses people to meet needs, he uses people to bless us. All right. He doesn't uh, literally pour down blessings from heaven. We use that term as a metaphor. He uses people in our lives. You see, that's, that's, that's how he works. Jesus even said to his disciples, what have you done to the least of these, you've done to me. On the flip side, when, uh, when God called uh, Paul, uh, Saul, when he was called Saul and was on the road to, to Damascus, he said, uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Uh, in other words, Jesus took it very personal as he was persecuting Christians, believers. He said, that's me. That's me, you see. And so how we serve God is how we serve, we serve others. And, and God blesses us through others. And by the way, be the blessing. Be the channel that God can bless others. Through. So, so this is a concept. Be thankful. Be thankful. Thankful to God. Thankful to others. A Christian ought to be the most thankful person. All right. Next, uh, uh, I like this, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So we see, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's interesting. The only way for the word of God to dwell in you richly is for you to intentionally put it in. Intentionally and systematically. You see, we don't, you ought not start your day, all right, let's see where it lands. All right, I'm going to just pick one. You see, and we say, God, what do you have for me? Now, of course, anything is the word of God. Anything's better than nothing. But you have to get the word of God in you for God to use it. You're not a prophet. 
He's not going to supernaturally give you a word. He's given us his word and we have to put it in. So we, we have to systematically and intentionally put the word of God in. Now, maybe for you, uh, a big step is just reading a chapter a day. Maybe you're on track for your Bible in a year. Maybe you're on track for a Bible in a month. By the way, it only takes about two hours a day to get the Bible, get through the Bible in a month, and that's for a slow reader. All right, I'm just throwing that out there if God's ever put that on your heart. Um, just get it in there. You say, that's such a big book. Yeah, start. If you've never done it, by the way, just start in the New Testament. Learn the life of Christ. Get into the uh, epistles and learn Bible doctrine. But get the word of God in there. Notice this, with all wisdom. We've talked about this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, so, so as you're getting in the word of God, getting it in you, it's not just for information. It's for transformation. And I'm getting in the word of God and I'm praying. I'm responding to God. Lord, I understood this. You know, uh, Pray with the psalmist. Say, God, open thou mine eyes and may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And then get in there. Get out, you know, if you need, get out a good commentary. And remember, best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. But maybe there you come across a hard passage, bounce it off some, some other guys. What, what did this guy say about this? What did this guy? Don't start there, but sometimes it's good to just kind of get some help to move along. I'm kind of stuck here. I don't know what he's talking about, you know. Um, but, uh, but get it. By the way, you don't have to get everything. Just go through it as best you can. Try to figure it out, understand it, and just plow through it. Get it in you. And the more you get in you, the more lights start coming on and you start growing a little deeper. Like, oh, I get that. Now that was for me. You see, let it uh, uh, dwell in your heart richly in all wisdom. By the way, the Holy Spirit of God can only draw out of you what's been put in you. He doesn't give you new information. He deals with your conscience. The word conscience is a compound word, con, science. Con means with. Science is knowledge with knowledge. He can only work in your heart according to the knowledge that's been put in. You see, he deals with your knowledge. So I can give you information. I'll give you, for instance, you ever been sitting in a church service and all of a sudden you're just hit with conviction. Oh, that was for me and I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw that thing away or I'm going to stop doing this activity or whatever it is. It's heavy on you. Now, here's a question. Was it a problem before that service? By the way, if it's a problem after the service, it's a problem before the service. You just didn't know it yet. It was. It was a sin. Whatever whatever the case may be. Maybe it was sin or just something wasn't pleasing to God, right? Which is a sin. Um, so, so how come if you have the Holy Spirit, did he not tell you about that problem before? Because there was no knowledge from to grab onto. As the Word of God is preached... The Holy Spirit of God will grab onto that and say, oh, that's what you needed. And I'll say, oh, it's heavy on you. Why? With knowledge. He's, he's dealt with the knowledge that's been put in. He doesn't give you new information. He brings to mind what's been put in. All right? Same thing when you're witnessing or talking to someone. He's going to pull out what you've put in. Let it dwell in you. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Now, remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's the overflow? All right? Um, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, this is interesting. This is an aspect that's a little, little unusual. I'm going to teach and admonish with music. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing 
with grace in your heart to who? To each other? To the Lord. By the way, when you're in a church service and you're singing some hymns, singing some psalms, singing some spiritual songs, remember who you're singing to. I'm not singing to them. And I need to remind you, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Uh, I think sometimes we kind of go through emotions because we've heard the song a million times and we just, we just sing. And it's vain repetition at that point. You're not thinking about the words. You're not thinking about what you're singing. But it is amazing how much doctrine. And by the way, there should be doctrine in your songs you sing. You know, today we've so we've so watered down music. It's a reflection, I think, of our society. But but uh, but there's no doctrine. There's no theology in our songs. It's just like, I love God. I love God. Yay! You know, we sing seven eleven, seven words eleven times, and uh, and it felt good. The music moved us. The rhythm moved us. But there was no content, you know. When I think of beautifully poetic songs, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way, let the peace of God rule in your heart, right? When sorrows, like sea billows, roll, all all these difficulties, sorrows are pouring in on me. And Horatio Spafford wrote those words as he lost uh, his. He found, he, he found out he lost his daughters in a shipwreck. His wife barely made it. When sorrow, like sea billows, roll, they're all crashing on me. Whatever my lot, whatever comes my way, thou, God, has taught me to say, it's well with my soul. Talk about the peace of God ruling. You see, there's substance there. There's, what am I doing? I'm teaching and admonishing with the song. How many people in this world have been admonished by the song, It is well with my soul, by Horatio Spafford? Boy, I tell you. Um... I think it's funny. Now, there are some songs, even in the hymnal, that are like, okay, I can kind of take it or leave it, you know. But there are others. How about, here's a deep, rich song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Uh, they are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. He said, oh, it's a kid's song. I'll tell you what. Some adults need to get a hold of that truth, that he loves you. You're not convinced yet. You think God's angry with you. You think God's upset with you. You think he's giving you a hard lot. A lot. The peace of God's not ruling, not dwelling in your heart richly. So what do we do? We've got to encourage each other. By the way, here's a big problem I think we face today. When we've stepped outside of this psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, the, those three are, are, are also in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 18. And here's the context of that one. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He gives a, a contrast. Uh, like someone would be intoxicated with strong drink, I want you to be so full of the Spirit. Speaking to yourself. Here we're admonishing one another. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Right? So it's connecting the song of my heart to the filling of the Spirit. Could it be that so few Christians have any kind of spiritual discernment? Is it because that because they're putting songs into them that go against the filling of the Spirit? In other words, they're grieving or quenching the Spirit of God. Think about that. So just like for us personally, we need these songs. We need these songs as we relate to one another. You say, well, I think those songs are great in church, but, you know, in my car, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to listen to my stuff. Hold on a second. Church is a, uh, that, that, that place when you gather together. That's, that's a building. 
you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. If that stuff does not belong when the church comes together, does it belong in Christ's temple? That's a good question to ask. And I'd say it doesn't belong there. And that is why so many of us are so spiritually lacking. You know, yeah, there are a lot of things we can look at. Do they pray? Do they read their Bible? Are they? But, but, but let's, just, let's just talk about where, where are you at spiritually? You're drowning out the Spirit of God because of the garbage you're putting in that we call entertainment. It just got heavy, didn't it? You see, um, I don't believe much of what's out there. Even what's called Christian music belongs in a Christian's life. It's counterproductive. You say, well, I like this kind. Have you thought about what the Spirit likes? Or are you quenching him unwittingly? Remember Samson, the Bible says uh, when uh, Delilah cut his hair, he said he wit not. He, he had no clue that the Spirit of God had departed from him. And I think a lot of Christians are at that point. Now, praise God, he'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's not going to leave you, but boy, he's going to be quenched. Boy, he's going to be stomped out. I don't, I'm not comfortable like this. You're going to make me sit through this again? And, and how much so? If the music, by the way, is not pleasing to God, if we're saying lyrics that are praising God, so to speak, to music that's not pleasing to God, isn't that not kind of blasphemy? If I'm going around saying I'm a Christian and yet I'm doing uh, sinful activity, worldly things, right? You know, I'm down at the bar just throwing them back saying, I'm a Christian, everybody, I'm a Christian. Does that blaspheme the name of God? So it would be that if there is music, now I'm just asking this question, if there is music that dishonors God, but we're putting honoring lyrics to it. Isn't that not blasphemy? What concord, uh, Second Corinthians says, what concord hath Christ with Belial? The word concord means harmonious tones. It's the Greek word symphonesis. Harmonious tones. What music can you put together with Christ and the devil? And we're copying the world and saying, it's okay, because music's neutral. No, it isn't. He gave some very specifics here, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We can debate about what all that is, but I'm going to say there is a spiritual element to this. And that's why, you know, we sing in church. We try to encourage each other in the right direction. And we, and we put scripture to music. That's so helpful. We have spiritual songs, songs that are directing our attention and our focus to God. We have songs of testimony. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord is crucified. And, you know, the song of testimony, you know, then at Calvary, you know, my eyes were open. We have songs like that. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Um, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the water lifted me. Now, now safe am I. Love lifted me. Uh, testimony songs, you see. Let's continue. And whatsoever you do in word, I speak, or deed, action, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it is again. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do, folks, make sure it's going, giving glory to God. Well, this is my private life. This is what I do in secret. Make sure it's giving glory to God. Whatever you do, in word, in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if you give a glass of water in my name, if you, you know, whatever you do, at least in the name of Jesus. Now, don't be one of those weirdos, you know, I'm um, doing this brother in Jesus' name. 
But but in honest on in all honesty and sincerity, everything I do, the motivation is Jesus' name. For Christ's sake. That's why I do this. For his glory. That's why I do this. And in doing that, giving thanks to God and the Father by him, by Jesus. But thank you for giving me the ability, the means to do this. Thank you for allowing me to be a blessing. Thank you for letting me see the opportunity in word. Thank you for letting me have the right words to say. Thank you for letting me have the right actions. Uh, all that that's in the name of Jesus. Oh, a heart of gratitude. You walk away saying, God used me today. What a blessing. What an encouragement. Folks, see how this builds? What I'm laying out for you is genuine Christianity. Because if you be risen with Christ, there's a new man. There's a new way of living. And I'm not talking about, you know, earning my way to heaven. I'm just saying, this is who he has created you. Remember, uh, if we were to back up to verse number, um, where is it? Yes, verse 10. Have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. He's making us like Christ. He's making us like the image don't fight it. Embrace it. Because if you're saved, you're born again, Romans 8, 28 and 29. He is going to make you like the Lord Jesus Christ one way or the other. Well, we can do it the easy way or the hard way. And what he's laying out here, he's saying, this is what looks like Christ. Folks, if there's a struggle in some of these areas, it's time to start spending some serious time with God and asking him, God, root it out. Get this out of me. I need to be on track. I want to be like the Lord Jesus. I want to finish well. And uh, so use this as a list to self-examine. How is my long-suffering? How is my mercy? How is my music? How is the peace of God in my heart? Is there unrest? You see? And really think through this with a prayerful, prayerful heart. God, how am I doing? 